Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to another Mojo Minute. So last year, I was fortunate enough to attend a class taught online by the great Dr. Robert Royal. The class was a walkthrough of Dante's Divine Comedy, and it was fascinating. Please check out Mojo Minutes 52 and 57, where I talked about the Divine Comedy. And so in the last couple months, I was fortunate enough again to attend a second class online taught by Dr. Royal. And this one explored St. Augustine's Confessions, perhaps one of the world's greatest autobiographies ever written. And because we are now in the season of Lent, I thought I would share some passages from that most excellent book. Now, before we get into that, I wished, I have, I have since wished that I had grown up with a classical education because If I did, I would have already read St. Augustine's Confessions a long, long time ago. And without a doubt, it would have helped me as a young man to understand the world at a much better and a much earlier age. The fact that I'm reading St. Augustine for the first time at age 47, when it would have helped me a great deal at age 16, 17, or 18, or even in my college years, just goes to show you how our education system has failed greatly when especially it goes away from these classical books that have educated and helped millions of people for centuries. Now, why is St. Augustine's confessions so compelling? Well, I think because very quickly you learn that what was happening to a fourth century young man is the same thing that happens to a 21st century young man, or for that matter, young woman. We are trying to make our way in the world, and the world seems confusing. But let's back up, and let's give you a brief biography of Augustine of Hippo, St. Augustine of Hippo. He was born November 13, 354 AD, in what is now modern-day Algeria. Back then, it was part of the Western Roman Empire. His mother, Monica, was a devout Christian, and his father, Patricius, was a pagan who would ultimately convert on his deathbed. Augustine's first language was Latin. He was sent to school as a teenager to study the Latin literature, though he would learn more about pagan beliefs and practices while at school. Augustine relates in his book, The Confessions, like I said, it's an autobiography, about the first time he understood sin at its core. Let's go to the book. There was a pear tree near our vineyard, heavy with fruit, but fruit that was not particularly tempting either to look at or to taste. A group of young blackguards, and I among them, went out to knock down the pears and carry them off late one night, for it was our bad habit to carry on our games in the streets till very late. We carried off an immense load of pears, 
not to eat, for we barely tasted them before throwing them to the hogs. Our only pleasure in doing it was that it was forbidden. Such was my heart, O God, such was my heart, yet in the depth of the abyss you had pity on it. Let that heart now tell you what it sought when I was thus evil for no object, having no cause for wrongdoing, save my wrongness. The malice of the act was base, and I loved it. That is to say, I loved my undoing. I loved the evil in me, not the thing for which I did the evil, simply the evil. My soul was depraved and hurled itself down from security in you into utter destruction, seeking no profit from wickedness, but only to be wicked. And so you can see in that quote, Augustine is coming to grips with his own original sin. Why was he attracted to it? Why did he have to steal the pears when he was not hungry? It was merely a base thought and action. And you can see the unfolding in his mind as he ponders the greater world and his place in it. Those essential questions that we talk about in leading a flourishing life. For example, who am I? Where am I going? What's my special place in this world? And especially after this quote, why did I do that? Why did I commit that little act of evil of stealing the pears? So ultimately, Augustine would study in Carthage and rhetoric, and there he would live a hedonistic lifestyle. But also at Carthage, he would read Cicero and become heavily influenced for seeking out the truth. And he had, he developed a sincere, deep desire for wisdom and philosophy. He would ultimately father a young child. He would keep a woman, either as a concubine or lover. It was hard to tell. And Augustine would ultimately give up the fornication lifestyle and his lover after being heavily influenced by Ambrose of Milan. And he would eventually become a Catholic priest, ending up as Bishop of Numidia in Roman North Africa. Often, he is viewed as one of the most important church fathers. Augustine was most famous for his preaching. Most scholars believed he preached around 6,000 to 10,000 sermons in his lifetime. Only some 500 are deemed to be authentic, coming from his hand, and have been preserved to our modern age. Augustine also wrote, he wrote a ton, a lot of pamphlets and books, but only some survived. Notably, they are the city of God written late in his life to restore confidence to his fellow Christians after the sacking of Rome in 410 by the Visigoths under Elaric I. He wrote another book on the Trinity, which laid out the doctrine of the Trinity. And he wrote this autobiography, The Confessions, which we're talking about today. Augustine was living at a time when the Western Roman Empire began to disintegrate, almost similar to our United States of today. He directly shaped the medieval world with his writings, especially those concepts adopted by the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople. The importance of his book, The Confessions, is its humility and its discussing of human nature. 
is where this book really shines. It's everyday, ordinary struggles that each of us have to confront through our lives. Augustine had to deal with some addictive and emotionally abusive personalities, even some in his own family. Augustine had to deal with ambivalence within relationships, especially meaningful relationships and how to handle those. In a society obsessed with sex, how to counteract that and live a virtuous life was a constant question for Augustine. Now you might chuckle and say, wait, they had issues with sex in the 4th century too? Yes, in fact, they did. The late 4th century crumbling Roman Empire was just as obsessed with sex as our late 20th century and early 21st century world is today. And St. Augustine's ambivalence over years and years of sensuality to not overcome that particular vice He actually, in fact, says at one point, give me chastity and continence, only not yet, O Lord. (laughs) In fact, it's such a famous line. Let's go to the book because it is, like I said, it's incredibly famous. And I want to give you the, you should hear the full quote. For many years had flowed by a dozen or more. From the time when I was 19 and was stirred by reading the reading of Cicero's Hortensius to the study of wisdom, and here was I still postponing the giving up of this world's happiness to devote myself to the search for that of which not finding only the mere seeking is better than to find all the treasures and kingdoms of men, better than all the bodily better than all the body's pleasures though they had though they were to be had merely for a nod but i in my great worthlessness for it was greater than thus early had begged you for chastity saying grant me chastity and continence but not yet for i was afraid that you would hear my prayer too soon, and too soon you would heal me from the disease of lust which I wanted satisfied rather than extinguished. So St. Augustine telling us, telling our Lord rather, give me chastity, but not yet. One of the most famous lines from the Confessions. And it reminds me of a great spiritual director uh, who once told a group of young men that I was part of during a recollection in Washington, D.C. one Friday night. He read this quote, and then he looked at us. He said, we human beings really do love our sins, don't we? We are often like St. Augustine. We don't really want to give them up. It's quite hard to give them up. And so don't we echo the same words as St. Augustine? Give me chastity, O Lord, but not yet. (laughs) That spiritual director paused and he let that sink in. And it was so moving that it made such a profound point on me that I have remembered it ever since. Because in fact, we do. We human beings get complacent. 
And how about you? Do you get complacent in overcoming your sins, even the small ones? All human beings get comfortable. All human beings get complacent. We don't want to battle. We get tired of battling. And getting back to Augustine's confessions, St. Augustine's vice of sensuality and fornication is legendary. Augustine, for a period of his life, drifted into believing in a fundamentalist sect at the time, the Manichaeans. And don't we see that happen repeatedly in our time with many things that are of, of a fundamentalist nature? Writing of his earlier life, Augustine intended for the confessions to be an offertory of love to God the Father who saw him through all these many trials, even though he was not a baptized Christian. And it was only through St. Augustine's sincere desire for the truth, God's grace, that Augustine would recognize, ultimately, and as he kept exploring and reading and coming to understand the Lord of truth. Now, how about some family dysfunction in the 21st century? Does anybody have a family member who struggles with alcohol addiction? It's a terrible, terrible disease. And guess what? St. Augustine's mother, Monica, was no stranger to alcohol. For a period of time as a young woman, Monica struggled with wine, Augustine recalls for us. He says, my mother used to tell me herself that there had crept upon her a secret love of wine, unquote. But then Monica courageously confronted the fact of her addiction, and she was blessed with a cure from God. And so, you can see where a 21st century person would greatly benefit from reading the struggles of a 4th century saint. And finally, let's end with the most famous passage from this book. Great art thou, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is thy power, and of thy wisdom there is no number. And man desires to praise thee. He is but a tiny part of all that thou hast created. He bears about him his mortality, the evidence of his sinfulness, and the evidence that thou dost resist the proud. Yet this tiny part of all that thou hast created desires to praise thee. Thou dost so excite him that to praise thee is his joy, for thou hast make us for thyself and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Grant, O Lord, to know which is the soul's first movement towards thee, to implore thy aid and to utter its praise of thee. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. That phrase would have been wonderful to hear as a 20-year-old going through all the troubles that every 20-year-old goes through. It would have helped me and countless other folks for understanding, for counsel, and for wisdom that other souls have been restless in their young lives. Sometimes kids, ironically, don't want to listen. They don't want to listen to their parents. Shocking, I know, 
They want to experience life for themselves, and that is only natural. That's where these classic texts, text, especially St. Augustine's Confession, can be a kind of good parent, stretching over 2,000 years and encouraging the young person that there's nothing new under the sun. And so it is with that that I encourage you to read Augustine's Confessions, most especially during this time of Lent. In Dr. Royal's class, the translation we used was from Frank Sheed. I will put a link in the show notes for you. And also, I listened to Augustine's Confessions on Audible, and my copy was narrated by Simon Vance, which was quite a good uh, narration. So for all the parents and well parents of teenagers, say 14 years old or later, I encourage you to have your children read this most excellent autobiography. It would be hopeful for all young people to read, most especially that as a great saint in the late 4th century eventually overcame all the troubles in his life, so too can we overcome all of our struggles and become saints in the 21st century. And so in today's Mojo Minute, let us say with one voice and continue to repeat it in our hearts until our dying day, those famous words of St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com where we have everything we discussed in this podcast as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually 69 pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.